Welcome back to another episode of the Human Up Podcast. My name is Victor Ang. This is a podcast about how to use emotional intelligence to our advantage and to figure out how to use it productively to find and create more clarity in our lives, in our relationships, in our emotions, in how we express ourselves, in what we want out of work and career and our lives in general. It's a topic that I've been super passionate about recently. Um, something that I feel like I had a lot of intuition on before, but never really had the, the tools or the language to best communicate that with people around me. And how that showed up was a lot of complacency and, and stagnation, especially within my career, but also in my my relationships and in my hobbies and what I wanted out of life in general, I felt like I was just letting life happen to me and not living with intention. And I think a big part of that was the lack of self-awareness about me and not really knowing who I was or what my identity was. So reading about emotional intelligence and, and talking to people about this topic and their experiences and stories around developing it, uh, maybe not directly, but just through their own life experiences, has helped me so much in learning more about myself as well and, and how I want to carry myself and show up in, in this world. And a big part of developing emotional intelligence is self-awareness. How do you truly understand yourself? How do you really uncover who you are? How do you tap into that inner wisdom and that, that inner emotion that you have but have been suppressing or repressing for a while now? What kind of feelings and values and strengths have you been hiding because of the social and cultural barriers that have been placed upon you? And how do you break out of that? I talk about that in this episode with my guest, John B. Johnson. He is a passionate community builder in Seattle. When he is not serving his clients as an identity architect for his design agency, A Small Studio, he is volunteering his time to build our grassroots entrepreneurship ecosystem. Since he moved to Seattle in October of 2017, he has built a successful design agency, launched a national entrepreneurship community organization funded by the Kaufman Foundation, and in July, he will lead an entrepreneurship boot camp for impact-driven entrepreneurs backed by the nationally recognized nonprofit SeedSpot. Lastly, he'll be traveling to Madagascar in October to teach nonprofit community leaders about branding and design thinking. Moving forward, he plans to continue building programming focused on empowering entrepreneurs of color to pursue their dreams in the marketplace. I wanted to have John on the podcast to talk a bit about what he does as an identity architect. We'll get into what that means in the episode, but what interested me was how much of emotional intelligence is required to be someone like an identity architect. To, to be someone to provide that space to help others discover themselves and their identity. Because a big part of emotional intelligence is self-awareness and being able to really identify who you are, what you care about, and, and what drives you. So I'm excited to, to share this conversation that I've had with John B. Johnson, and we'll get into it right after a message from my sponsor. First off, thank you for being a listener of the Human Up podcast. I definitely have so much to say and express and all the things that I've experienced and observed throughout my life that I've honestly been cultured and, and kind of pressured to, to bite my tongue against. So I really love being able to use this platform and this medium as a podcast to do so. And it wouldn't be possible without Anchor.fm, which is the hosting platform I use to distribute this podcast. It's perfect for me right now because it's free and automatically distributes Distributes my episodes to all the different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And the cool part is that there are tools to 
record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you don't even need any extra software or services to, to create the podcast. And you can even make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership by recording ads like this. So if you have a message to send and ideas to spread, definitely download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And who knows, maybe we can collab and create a, a podcast episode together. If you do end up creating one, you should definitely hit me up and, and we can do something there. With that, let's get back to the episode. All right. Thanks for coming on, John, to the podcast. Hey, big thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I We had connected through the One Million Cups community where you volunteer, which I absolutely love, by the way. It's a really cool place for uh, for me to... It was cool to have that space to like just be vulnerable, to like say, like, I don't... I'm just new to this entrepreneurship thing. I have no clue what I'm doing. And it's cool to have that support network. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... I mean, you've been... I remember the first time you came and uh and you've been just coming every week since um and that's that's what this is all about right just that consistency of being able to come together every week and honestly our our relationship has developed just through coming together every week you know even if it's a five minute conversation every week that's more than a lot of people talk you know i mean that's more sometimes i talk to my family so yeah i'm glad i'm glad you like it man yeah i'm glad it impacted you Definitely, definitely. I, I definitely like coming in every week too to to hear the other presenters and connect with people. So uh, it's cool to have you on the podcast, though. Uh, I'd love to get into a little bit of what you do and and sort of your journey in you know in your entrepreneurship as well, and then we can kind of dive into a lot of the deeper topics. But we'll we'll start with kind of your background and your journey and and um, how you started your business and and what you're doing now so i uh come from cleveland ohio born and raised uh got my master's in architecture and my mba and uh moved to phoenix arizona right afterwards gave gave cleveland the deuces and got out of there really quickly and started started a new journey of my life and moved to arizona worked in architecture for about two years actually practicing architecture and realized that's not that wasn't the path I wanted to go, and didn't want to be an architect uh, in the, the typical sense of the word, and quit. You know that was about two years in, and when I quit, I it opened a lot of doors that I didn't really know existed, um, including my first startup, which was a mobile app uh, startup called Feel Free. Uh, worked on that for a year and a half right after I left architecture. Uh, worked on a, you know, commercial real estate development project with one of my favorite architects in the whole world, um, <clears throat> Bjork Ingels, and out of big, big architects. And I didn't work directly with him. However, I was included on one email with him, and it made my whole my whole dreams come true. That's that was my life in architecture. Um, but I got to I got to experience you know a lot of different exper- um, I guess projects and build a lot of cool things from nothing, right? And then that landed me at, at a company called Seedspot where I mentored early, early stage impact-driven entrepreneurs um, and helped build community for Seedspot, helped um, build you know, marketing campaigns, helped build their brand, right? all of those things. And then my wife got the job with Amazon and I had to drop a lot of that stuff and just move to Seattle with her. I couldn't pass up the opportunity. And honestly, it was a much bigger opportunity than anything I had going on in Phoenix. And when I got here, uh, all the things I learned over that, that six years in, in Phoenix, I was able to put into action really quickly. And one of those things was my business partner, Troy, who works with me on my company, a small studio where I'm the founder and, and lead, uh, um, I'm going to be architect for a small studio and he was here uh, and uh, we met actually during that first startup in Phoenix. So when I moved here, it was like, it was perfect. Let's do this. So we started a small studio. Um, I think it was 12, 
I moved here on October 4th and a small studio was filed as an LLC in the state of Washington on, on October 12th. Uh, so yeah, eight days later, we were rolling. Uh, and then three months later, I got Troy to quit his job. And here we are 22 months later. And we are, you know, we have three, three of us now. Uh, we've, we've done over 250, almost $300,000 in revenue and worked with over 30 different brands so far. And obviously doing service things in the community like One Main Cups seed spot things like that that's that's awesome you you it sounds like you just kind of you just went for it a lot there seems like a lot of um i imagine a lot of emotional battles throughout all those different transitions there yeah. I, I i can get into I'll, I'll be to, to say the least <laughs> yeah yeah of course definitely i mean i i want to ask a little more about the uh, that identity architect but what was that transition then from wanting from like working in in uh, architecture for the first couple of years and and what made you sort of how maybe just walk us through that journey in that in that transition there yeah as i was working in architecture you know architecture school is very different than the practice of architecture uh, especially in the first few years or so right in architecture school you are conceptualizing projects from nothing. You're leading the whole creative process of those projects. Um, you have no budget to work within. There's no politics, right? There's no coworkers, all of those things. And, you know, leaving that and going into the practice of architecture, uh, it's very different. And it's different because, you know, I went from working on vertical cities um, in Abu Dhabi as a project of mine during my senior year in college to designing Chase Banks, right? And doing a, uh, a floor plan for a new Chase Bank remodel and a ceiling plan for that. It's, it's, uh, it's tough, right? It's a tough transition. And especially when you're sitting in front of a computer the whole day doing that type of drafting and there's not a lot of human interaction, which for me is something I crave and I thrive off of collaboration and, and community. Right. So I wasn't getting a lot of that. Now I'm not saying that that's all I did. There was Chase Banks. I worked on some, some cool things also. However, just, I realized that I didn't want to be any of the architects that were in that firm. I didn't want to be one of the principal um, principles of that firm. And when, when you realize that you don't want to be, the person at the that's leading that thing or you don't want to be you see what you thought you wanted to be in real life and you don't desire to be that you know it, it's something that you should definitely do a double take at and i and i definitely did and after that i decided you know really quickly actually um, decided to quit and go and explore other things yeah, I mean, because it reminds me of my recent transition to um, going through a certain path, thinking that that was what you wanted to do and this is the right way to go. And then all of a sudden reaching to a point where, like, wait, this is not what I want to do. So like, I imagine that coming to that point can be very overwhelming to then decide like, what do you, where do you go next? And, and, you know, are you going to have to learn new skills or, or maybe scrap all the skills and training that you've gone through previously? Um, so was, was that something that you had kind of had to deal with or, or how did you sort of manage that? Yeah, I think, I think in a typical sense, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna deal with a bunch of anxiety in those, those moments of, um, and mostly the anxiety comes from not knowing what's going to happen, right? After you make such a drastic change in your life. But I think, I think that's something that we overcome a lot as humans in society right now, where there was a way of doing things, right? You're supposed to go to college and then get a job and then, you know, move up the ranks and then, you know, maybe manage and then, you know, blah, 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 blah. But that's changing now, right? Like you, you know that, Vic. And that's why when you, you left your job and decided to, to do something much more intentional, it was because you weren't getting the fulfillment that you thought you were going to get from actually doing what you thought you wanted to do. But as a, as a, 
as a human being, like we're typically not going to find what we want to do until we try things, right? So in the typical sense, you would be, you'd be, you'd be, you would be afraid. However, at that moment, I was actually feeling stifled um, and claustrophobic by being contained to this rigor of a firm or a job or a computer screen that I actually felt very free when I did it. And I couldn't wait to do it. Right. And I may have done it a little prematurely, but you know, I, you know, in hindsight. Right. Um, But I, I I tend to do that in my life and I I have done that in many ways in my life of just acting very quickly on intuition and maybe not planning a lot um, and maybe not planning enough, right? But that when I did it, it was actually a, a freeing moment for me. And it was like a snowball of all of these opportunities that came in the door as soon as I shut that one door, right? When you shut one door, another one opens. Um, and in my case, that one, uh, like five opened. And I was just... I was just playing in a sandbox of, of creativity and, and excitement. And over the next five years, we're going on, I think we're about five years in now since I quit um, my architecture job. I think it was 2014. Five years later, here I am in Seattle building a branding agency as an identity architect. It's like it comes, it comes full circle after you explored all of those options of really knowing why did you do that in the first place? Why did you go to architecture school, right? Why did you work at an architecture firm for two years? A lot of that stuff, there's a reason why you did it all. It's just, are you going to explore all of the perspectives to put it together into an identity that's fitting and that's true to who you are? Yeah, I just kind of get this image of sort of a, a, a little small birdling getting, you know, jumping off the, the tree in the nest and, not really knowing how to fly yet, but just figuring it out as you go. And, and all of a sudden, yeah. once you do, you have the whole world to explore. So that's, that's pretty cool to, yeah. to like take that leap of faith though. Um, is that's the hardest part, but, uh, it is. Yeah. So then it's interesting when you, yeah, it, it, it seemed like it did kind of come full circle when you're, when you say now you're like an identity architect. So what, what does that mean? And, and what do you do, uh, as an identity architect? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, it's a term that, uh, that came to me through a friend that I was working with, actually. And I used to call myself an experience architect as I was creating a lot of different experiences. I actually love creating the built experience. That's why I got into architecture in the first place. Right? And then I started loving the idea of creating events. So I started doing events like um, Battle of the Bands or a barista throwdown or a, just a speakeasy type of event. Did a lot of different things. And so I called myself an experienced architect. And when I came to Seattle, started to hone in on that more and more and more and refine it. And a buddy of mine, Andy Nelson, shout out to Andy Nelson, helping me started to perceive um, my, my personal brand and, and who, like, what, what I was attempting to do, right? And he, he was like, you know, experience is just a little too vague. You know, what, you, what you're really doing is you're helping people, you're creating identities. You're helping people understand their identity. You're helping people interpret their identity or reveal their identity. And he's like, it should, be, it should be identity architect. And I was like, hmm, like, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, that's a cool name. <laughs> and... And literally, he was he was a gift from God, because uh, as soon as as soon as it came out of my mouth, every single person I talked to has as it's just lit them up. Like they get excited when they hear it, or they're 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 curious, or all the responses you want out of a out of a title, right? But for me, an identity architect is is a way of life for me because I meet so many people every day that I'm literally there meeting with them to serve them and help them understand who they are and help them interpret who they are in the marketplace specifically, right? So all of us are a part of the marketplace. That's one way or another. So I interpret identity architect as helping people understand who they are 
and interpret it or craft it into a identity or a brand that will help them influence the marketplace in a powerful way. And that's, that's, that's really what my specific purpose is, not just through a small studio, but through life. Because that's how I attempt to just engage every single person that I talk to. Right? Um, so with, in terms of a small studio specifically, I'm, I'm the person that all of our clients engage with first. Right? I interpret the project. I interpret what they're saying. I interpret what they're attempting to do. And then I pull all of that information out of them and start to craft the walls of their house that they're going to play in. And then once we get those walls, then we can start to decorate, right? And that's where the creative work starts to come in, the visual design, um, the graphic design, the web design, all of those things. But it's important to have that, that framework to work within. And that framework is their identity, right? That framework is who they are and their values and their strengths, and that's, that's really what my job is. So then my team, Troy, Scott, they start to craft the beautiful facade of the house, right? The interior design, the, the paneling, the window coverings, the, the paint, you know, all of that starts to come after you have the bones. And the bones, that we believe, is the identity of the person that's creating it. I mean, I love that you are kind of merging your experience from architecture in a way and bringing it into a personality and bringing it into us as humans because there is a level of sort of a design that that we can do for ourselves as well. And I think that's why that kind of lights up a lot of people when they hear that those two words put together because it's like, it makes sense, right? It's like you can create, you can like architect your identity there and um, and, and I think that's like a, a much needed and, and a space that's lacking in a lot of areas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's, that's why it's such an incredible, I want to say blessing to be able to even call myself that because it's so fitting to me. It's so fitting to my identity. Right. And that's, I think one of the biggest things is that I know that my identity has to be in check and understood and, and and solid and firm in order to even be able to be present with someone else to help them with their identity. Right. So this is, this is starting on a, on a, on a business level, right. A corporate level of identity crafting. However, when I work with a client so intimate, right, it's very, very intimate and that takes it to the personal level very quickly. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask actually is like, it seems like you, you know, with the business aspects, obviously it's, you know, you, you create an identity and brand, um, from a business aspect, but I can imagine that having a lot of personal development there too. And, and you even mentioned, oh, uh, uh, another time where you kind of consider yourself as a counselor as much as a consultant. So what, what is that process like when working with your clients and, you know, how do you do you necessarily differentiate between the two in terms of business and personal things? How do you make sure that doesn't get too much in the way of each other? Um, or how do you make it work when, when, you know, consulting slash counseling people? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think that the difference between personal and professional, like, I guess, helping or being a friend versus being a consultant it's very, it's a very fine line. I, I try to be, I intentionally and, and my team also, we intentionally attempt to be friends with every single person that walks through the doors or engages with us. And we want to be friends with everybody. Now that doesn't always happen, obviously, because we can't control how everybody feels about us <laughs> or feels in general. Um, but what we do on a, on a professional side is typically somebody's hiring you to do something right? There's a goal in mind. There's expectations that are necessary to execute on. And so you're very, very much so focused on getting to the end goal. Now, how you do that is very uh, intentional. And I want to say it's connected to how you are consulting slash how you are being present and um, consoling those clients, right, through the process and managing them and shepherding them through the process of understanding who they are and then building a brand, 
right? So very, it's very process driven on a professional sense. On a personal side, you can utilize some of those pieces of the process or some of those tools that you've developed professionally. However, it's much more, I want to say casual, right? So when I'm working with a friend or talking to a friend or helping a friend through something that they may be just lost or going through a hard time, my biggest thing is just there's no there's nowhere to go. My only priority is being a firm foundation for them so that they don't lose themselves in a lot of the fear or doubt or anger or shame or anxiety or all of those things that people end up losing themselves in. Um, I end up just being, I end up becoming the foundation for them because I know them already so well, right? So you already know friends really well, but the clients, you have to get to know them, right? Um, as they come in the door. So that's, that's, I guess that's how I would interpret the two, the balance of the two. Uh, eventually clients may become friends and that dynamic shifts. So I think professional, there's a, there's a process to how you work with clients and it should be a process because otherwise you can just play together for a long time and nothing's going to get done. But when it comes to friends, there shouldn't be a process with your friends. Um, there should just be a state of being an uh, arm, right? Being someone to hold, they can hold on to or someone they can rely on or come back to or someone that can lift them up and, you know, make them smile. I, I like that. Um, I get a lot of different questions to, <laughs> to, to ask now, but uh, <laughs> in, in terms of um, when, when working with, uh, you know, coming up with a brand or identity from with people, there's, uh, there's, especially with, you know, small businesses, a lot of what makes us human, a lot of our own personality also comes out too. And, uh, so kind of going into, you know, your, your personal values and strengths and, and weaknesses as well. Um, on your website too, I like the little quote that you have, your brand is an extension of who you are. It's personal, you know? And yeah. so, um, what's, what's that process like in, 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 in identifying, you know, a, a personal part of yourself and how do you bring that into business or your brand? Yeah. Yeah. So that we came up with that statement because of, of a lot of the way that we've worked with clients in the past and we realized how, how personal it gets when you start to peel back the layers. All right. That's, that's typically my first job is to, I got to peel back the layers. I have to, I have to be professional to a certain extent. And then as soon as I get them into the conference room for our, our work workshop, which I think we're going to start calling it um, the identity architecture workshop. Um, as soon as I get them into that conference room, I start to peel back those layers and eventually we peel those layers back so far where we can start to get them out of their own head. Right. Cause as in a business world, you're always thinking about what do you have to do next or what is everybody else doing or how am I going to get the next sale or, you know, revenue, payroll, all of these things that are so, I want to say inhuman or they're not emotional things. They're, they're logical things. They're, they're mechanical things. They're, they're, they're things that just keep you busy in your thoughts, right? So my goal is to get them out of that framework and start to actually ask themselves some hard, deep questions like, you know, what are your values? Um, you know, where, what do you, what do you love about the work that you're doing? Why are you doing the work that you're doing? And by throughout this day long process, you know, eventually we get to a point where they realize that, wow, I'm doing something special in the world, right? I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing something very unique in the world. And you know what the unique factor is typically it's who they are. It's their, it's their identity. It's their story. Right? It's the things that they may have went through, a scenario that they may have experienced before that was traumatizing to them or that was uh, inspiring to them. Right? These are things that not many people um, get to that vulnerable state to actually share with a consultant. Right? So that's where the, I want to say the, the consoling or the counseling comes in is that I have to ask the right questions and also 
weave through a lot of the barriers that people put up to stay away from some of those deep rooted things that are inside of them that end up being such a beautiful piece of who they are. And that's how we can really create, I want to say beautiful, intimate and unique brands for these companies because there's a lot of digging that's necessary with individuals to really understand some of those things that make them who they are. I I love that discovery process. You know, you're, it's, it's being able to get into something, something deeper than not just, you know, not just, you're not just creating a business for the sake of business or to make money or whatever, you know, you're, you're digging into the why you're digging into the the core values that you want in not only your personal life, but in your business as well. And it, it is, it, it can be a blend of, of, uh, of that. And, um, knowing how to navigate that is, is important and something not a lot of us think about or have gone through. I think I kind of think from my own corporate, you know, sense where we, it seems like people are kind of just doing things for the sake of just doing it and and not really being able to dig into, um, dig into why they're doing it or, or what they're really yeah. like truly standing behind. And so so that got me into the uh, whole idea of emotional intelligence in general. And um, so yeah. I think that's kind of a, a question now is what does emotional intelligence mean to you um, either personally or within your business or how, how does that like resonate with you? And I think emotional intelligence for me personally is how quickly and how I say aware we are of our emotions so that we can understand when we are acting out of a certain emotion versus when we are not, right? Because that really helps to understand and also manage how you show up to others, right? Communication and how much of communication is actually verbal versus nonverbal right? A lot of that is how your body language is. And a lot of what that is, is emotions, right? So I have to really understand my emotions and how my emotions are triggered. Um, And by doing that, it helps me better um, connect with others and communicate with others, build relationships with others. And on the flip side of that, you have another layer of that. How are, how much are you aware of other people's emotions, right? And a lot of the peeling of those layers that I talked about earlier is being aware of when somebody is getting emotional versus when somebody is lacking any type of emotion at all, right? And I tend to um, be more aware of when emotions are showing up in others because that's typically when we're actually starting to get below the surface and having a deeper more intentional conversation and that's 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 actually how I start to understand um, someone's identity because I start to see how they respond to certain aspects of the conversation and it allows me to lead down those paths that responses are a little different and I want to say the emotions start to reveal themselves because then we are emotional beings right Um, so why not have emotional conversations and if we are all able to understand our emotions then we can more easily have meaningful intimate and deep important conversations with each other without fighting or killing or hating or crying with each other right (laughs) maybe crying is okay but all the other things aren't right yeah i think i mean that's just it's beautiful to me to that that's part of your work too because i like even within you know architecting identity within business it's a very personal thing too and you're you're definitely helping just people grow in general in a lot of that personal and emotional growth um and what do you, what do you think is emotional intelligence? I you're the you're the professional man. I need to I need to hear your definition. 
Right. Uh, um, yeah, emotional intelligence to me is is that that's very similar to yours too. But it's also being able to, you know, act in spite of the the stronger, more intense negative emotions as well, especially fear and anxiety and yeah. um, apathy and and whatnot. Um, and then to to be able to identify how you're feeling and how that is useful for you and what your actions are moving forward, you know, and how to not get that, let that get in the way. So a a big part of emotional intelligence is also like self-awareness. And I think that connects a lot with what you're doing with identity architecture. Um, What is maybe quickly, do you have, can you, are you willing to share sort of a process in, in how you develop that within people? Maybe a little bit of a teaser in your, your workshop as well, or yeah, what does that process look like? Yeah. So we're, we're, we have a process that we do for corporate brands, right. Or business brands. It's an all day workshop to, to walk through this process. Um, I'll give you a little insight on that. We're actually reaching a point where, um, I'm, I'm starting to develop a workshop where we can work with more than one individual or more than one brand at a time and allow them to help build the foundation, or I, I call it the building blocks of branding um, themselves and help them really start to understand who they are through that process. It's not just them engaging in our branding you know, engagements because right now we take them through the the workshop specifically because they've engaged us in helping to design and develop their brand identity. It's very, very simple. Actually. Um, A lot of it is me facilitating discussion and a lot of it is brain, brain dumping and mind mapping information that's in the head. And instead of them just saying, okay, what are, what are my core values? I say, list the things that you care about. All right. And they list, you know, 20 words, maybe 20 phrases, um, maybe it's 30. And I facilitate the conversation of filtering those down to the core ones. And there's something special about extrapolating and starting with a lot and narrowing it down because what it does is it allows them to understand and discern why certain things aren't as important as other things, right? And having our clients go through that process of discovery and actually leading a lot of those um, conversation and a lot of those activities themselves really helps them to be intentional and understand why that's the path that they need to go rather than me telling them the path that they need to go. Cause I think that that's, I mean, that's really, I guess as much as I'll, I'll explain about our process, but a lot of the process is how we take the clients through the process rather than the actual process itself. So the fact that they're doing a lot of the articulation and the activities themselves, I'm just facilitating. I'm just watching and listening and adjusting and asking questions when needed, right? Because at the end of the day, we like to say at a small studio, they're designing their brand. We're just helping them do it, right? They're discovering their identity we're just helping them do it. It's not us. We're not giving them an identity like a lot of other agencies tend to do, right? Oh, yeah, come to us. We'll create a, an identity for you. Like, no, you can't create anybody's identity. Right. Their identity is uniquely crafted for them. And I believe way before they were even born, right? Like they have an identity. All of us have an identity, and I cannot create that. I don't have that power, but I can help them realize that for themselves. Right. Help them, help them grow what's, what's already in there kind of innately and maybe have been either suppressed or repressed, you know, through a lot of, you know, social stigmas or barriers or, you know, um, but really like tapping into that deeper essence is is really yeah. cool rather than just saying like, oh, you should go and do this. Uh, you know, I think that the relates in a lot of personal growth as well, where, you know, 
a lot of times when people try to give advice or tell people what they should or could only do or all that, it, it's not as effective than uh, as as you know digging into what matters to them as well. So it's very client led, and that sounds. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's all it's all led by by them. We've we've crafted it. We've created the boundaries for them to work with and to get them to the end goal, right? But it's all led by them. I'm just helping them get there, right? And guiding. It's kind of like a shepherd, right? To put it in no sense. Uh, but I think one one thing that I I want to elaborate on is is the fact that a lot of people would talk about us on a mission to find ourselves, right? And when that's what life is all about is to find ourselves or to find peace or to find purpose and all of those things. And, I, and there's also a lot of people that talk about the fact that we've always known who we are. We just built and put on a lot of these covers or masks or armor or layers, right. That aren't authentic to us. It's actually the society or societal norms or responsibilities or survival mechanisms to actually survive to get to this point of us actually being able to start to take some of those pieces of armor or masks off and actually you know be reborn or be um i want to say be again right so that's 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 the world that we live in right now and there's a lot of people that think one way and a lot of people that think the other and i tend to think that the latter of We've always known who we are. We just may have gotten lost on the way. And especially in business, it's even more true in business because there's a lot of other driving factors there. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part is to first even be aware or recognize what those masks can be or or you've, you know, uh, subconsciously maybe put on as well in order to, you know, behave a certain way. And And there is a certain level of, uh, almost necessity in a sense where I really don't like the phrase like fake it till you make it, but that is kind of where, you know, you have to do develop a certain sense where this mask will, you know, help you in a lot of ways. And I think for a lot of people, it has helped them, you know, it's gotten yeah. them where, where they are. Uh, but then from then, from this point on then to grow even further or, or where you want to go there's going to be a lot of shedding that has to happen. So I imagine you having to deal with a lot of vulnerability and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of weaknesses there in that sense. Um, yeah. And, and that could be definitely very hard for a lot of people. I think, especially as, um, as a, as a, as a guy myself, as a man, like I think that's something we haven't been trained to be comfortable with is to really let loose in, in the deeper sort of emotions and, and uh, what really drives us in our core uh, and to be able to communicate that is um, it's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. hundred percent, man. What was, what was your sort of process in discovering yourself then and sort of shedding all of those masks? Oh, oh man, that's the, that's a whole, that's a whole podcast episode. Yeah, there, yeah that's right. Um, you know, I've, I've been on a journey since, you know, I want to say, well, I think we're all on a journey since we were born, but you know, I, I grew up without a father and I grew up in inner city Cleveland. Um, and we were, we were not well off by any means. And, uh, there were a lot of instances in my life from, you know, realizing that I didn't have a father, um, and my brother, um, ended up going to prison when I was really young, um. And you know, my mom, you know, single mother, my sisters, uh, I have two older sisters and, a, and an older brother, uh, them you know, going through things themselves with different men. And ultimately, I just had to challenge the status quo uh, many times. And I, I thank God every day that, that he's given me this ability to be rebellious, but also be fearless in a certain sense where okay, yeah, my brother went to prison, but I don't have to go to prison. I can go the other way. Or, yeah, I grew up without a father, but that doesn't matter. Like, that's not going to stop me. I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Or, yeah, I was, um, you know, a black man in America. But I'm not going to be an odd um, or be 
you know, part of the statistics that have been created here in this country. Or, you know, I was, I was the only um, person of color or African-American in my graduating class for my, you know, um, my degree in architecture, um, my master's program. And then when I went to the architecture firm, I was the only person of color in that firm, right? Uh, so I've been, I've been pushed to overcome the odds my whole life. And because of my rebellious nature slash, I want to say fearless um, mentality that I'm just, once again, just so grateful to have, it's allowed me to explore much more than I think a normal person explores and really explore the possibilities of life, explore the possibilities of opportunities that have come across, doors that have been opened. And because I've explored much more than, I mean, even my family, I was the first one in my family to leave Cleveland. Um, I was the first one in my family to get married. All right. So I've explored a lot of things that I feel like a lot of people don't explore. And because of that, I feel like I've, I've really been able to understand what I like, what I don't like, what, what works for me, what doesn't work for me, right? What I'm good at, what I'm not good at. And through that exploration, I think you start to understand who you are and why you've been put here on this planet, right? Why you've been, why you were created to engage and impact this world in a positive way, right? And through that exploration, through relationships, you know, meeting people, so on and so forth, you can start to really hone in on, on who you are and, and why you are here. And, you know, lastly, I'll put the icing on the cake. I, I feel like, because I now have a, a relationship with, with my father in heaven, he has helped me start to understand and ground and have peace in what I'm being called to or who I am because literally I'm, I'm not persuaded by all of societal norms or all of the things that like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast episode of like, it doesn't matter like, what society thinks or what society wants you to do, or if you're going to go to college next, or if you're going to buy a home or you're going to have a baby or you're going to climb the corporate ladder, like that is all uniquely relevant to you and only you. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. And I think as soon as we realize that as individuals, we can really start to work together and become pieces of the puzzle and come together as one unit to really transform and I want to say transcend this world that we're living in right now and really create some positive ripples. Yeah, I'm kicking myself for asking that as the last question because I want to like dive into all of that now, <laughs> but um, and we're coming up on our time here and I uh, don't want to make this too long for I think that's a great place to end, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. If I say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) I just kind of dropped the mic and I'm out. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I like to end the episodes. This is a new idea I'm trying to work out. But because this podcast is about emotional intelligence, you know, a big part of that is identifying all our different emotions, right? So um, based on you know, playing off the, the movie, the Pixar movie Inside Out. Have you seen that before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's the five. Yeah, great movie. Five different emotions there. So maybe real quickly, kind of rapid fire, sort of um, hit on each of these emotions, either from a personal basis or from, you know, something that you feel about in the world, right? So what is something that you that you are maybe angry about or, or maybe when's the last time you felt anger? Hmm. That's good, man. You could do a whole <laughs> podcast episode just on these. I know. Right. <laughs> last time I felt anger. It's, it's tough. Um, I think, I think anger specifically, uh, it's going to get deep, but my, my brother was up for parole after 18 years in prison and I was very, very optimistic that he was going to get out. And after that optimism and 18 years of him being in prison, uh, he ended up getting seven and a half more years put on top of his sentence. And I think that was probably the, the most angry I think I've, I've been um, in my adult life. 
because I just couldn't believe that 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 could happen, right? And I couldn't do anything about it. So there was definitely a lot of sadness in there too. But I think anger really led a lot of that. And um, luckily, I wasn't. I was in Phoenix at the time, and I wasn't in Ohio when it happened because it you know, allowed me not to do anything. Um, too destructive as as anger tends to lead us yeah you're totally right that these could each be like a lot of uh, a whole podcast but um how about sadness Next episode. yeah exactly how about uh how about sadness and like, what are you either sad about in the world or when's the last time you felt sadness i think i think i feel sadness every time i walk past a person on the street and look them in the eye because I, I feel I, I look almost every single person I pass on the street, whether they're homeless or not in the eye. And, and I mean, literally just looking at them and, and realizing that, that, you know, I know I can do something, whether I give them money or, or food or whatever it is. I just, it's sadness for me ends up arising very, very powerfully when, I see need and either I don't act on it or, um, or I'm not able to act on it. Right. That's, that's where sadness really lives for me right now. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, how about, oh, dis- thanks. how about this? I wrote, wrote that myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just poetry slams all the time, you know, no, <laughs> um, uh, disgust. Yeah. Uh, disgust, disgust. Uh, that's a that's a that's a tough one there's something about like being unhealthy and when i see unhealthy people or just unhealthy things um that are just over overwhelmingly unhealthy right um so uh i get a little bit of disgust in you know because I've, I've always been very very healthy and and also very in shape um and that's been you know blessing of mine thank thank you mom thank you dad Thank you, God, right, for all of those good genes. But the, and, and yourself for maintaining that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks. Um, but I think I think that's really where disgust comes from for for me. Um, I can't really think of think of anything else. Maybe maybe even just um, oblivious people uh, that are so not present and so not aware of others around them. Um, that that really causes me to like make that that stink face. Uh, you know, people that walk down the street in the middle of the sidewalk and don't even look to see who's coming. That's, that's, as a sign, that's a moment of disgust for me. (laughs) Spatial awareness is. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Two more Uh, fear. And then we'll go with joy after that. But fear. Fear. Fear is hard, man. I I think for me, fear is always in the unknown. Um, When I'm fearless to take an action, and then when I take that action and I'm wallowing in all of this unknown, uh, I get, I get a little, I want to say I get afraid. Um, I also sometimes get afraid when I, I, I'm alone and I feel as I, I feel, I think I'm a leader. I guess I, many people will call me a leader and sometimes I feel alone in that leadership and I feel like I'm going to be alone for a long time. And when I say alone, I mean with other people around me. And I start to, I think, get a, get a little afraid um, in those moments. And again, I, this is, I, I think I might just ask these questions in the beginning of the next episodes. But because um, <laughs> I, I feel bad to like just keep skipping through all these things. You're, it's a lot. No, to no, they're good. There, short, but, and, short and sweet. Yeah. Short and sweet. <laughs> uh, and then how about joy? What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? What, do you, what brings you joy? Well, I think it comes full circle, Victor, because I get the most joy out of out of serving others. And when I'm able to serve them, utilizing my gifts that I feel God has given me. So, you know, helping others really lean into their true potential and, you know, their truth also, who they are, their identity. Right. So when I've had a lot of conversations with friends in the past and they've reached out to me because they're struggling with something. I would say nine out of 10 times they're struggling because they're out of touch with their, their truth or their identity. And when I'm able to help someone find that or help a client 
find that or realize that and they tell me like you're incredible you've changed my life like that's that's when i get the ultimate joy and uh i'll end it with um you know i found a lot of joy and peace and when i have those those moments of peace and i think that that's when we really can experience joy is when we have peace because we can be present in that joy um or in those moments of happiness and and my my wife sarah has brought so much joy to my life because of how much peace she she's brought to my life and you know my sisters have done the same thing and all the sacrifices that they made for me and my mom is like the epitome of unconditional love um so i really owe a lot of my joy to those women that that god has placed around me to really allow me to just be at peace with myself and just be at peace in this world and they are they are the result of a, a lot of joy for me i love it it's beautiful um all right that's great thank you for, <laughs> for sharing all that i uh, definitely need to do episode two uh, part two with this but um how about uh just real quickly where could people find you more about you or um and then maybe like quickly what are you up to next yeah um I mean, I think the, the main place to find me is at a small studio.com, a small studio.com. Uh, we, we recently just relaunched our website, um, has everything about a small studio, what we represent, what we believe in, also just everything that we do. And then also, you know, a little bit about myself, uh, the podcast I just did with Sam the other week, um, Guy Stories is on there. Some of the things that we've written is on there. Um, you know, you can find my LinkedIn, you know, all of that all that jazz, all the work that we've done on there. And um, I host and I'm the lead organizer of One Million Cups, which meets every Wednesday at 9 a.m. at the Collective uh, Seattle, uh, which is right downtown in South Lake Union. So if you're free on Wednesday at 9 a.m., uh, just come by there. And um, and that's, that's really my main things. Um, I will be next up will be a workshop um, actually a boot camp for early stage impact driven entrepreneurs that I decided to bring here with in partnership with seed spots. And it's a two day boot camp for impact driven entrepreneurs like yourself, Victor, uh, to come and actually really dive deep into what they're attempting to, to create, um, and the impact that they're attempting to create. And in two days, you'll go everything from if a back a napkin idea or even established business to, pitching in front of um, hundreds of people in the community that we plan on bringing out to experience that. So that will be the first boot camp um, for early stage entrepreneurs um, here. That'll be on July 19th and the 20th at, at WeWork um, on 4th and Pine. And that's, that's, that's in progress right now. Go to seedspot.com or seedspot.org and you'll be able to learn a little bit more about that program. Perfect. And I'll, I'll link all of that in the show notes too. Um, but that's, that's exciting. That's cool. And, and I really appreciate the work that you're doing and the impact yeah. that you're making as well. And for you I spending think you're gonna the time. Be, you're going to be going to seed spot, aren't you? I think, I think you're, <laughs> you're <rolling. laughs> I have been, I've been thinking about it for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Um, of course, it, it was really a cool conversation. Um, yeah, I really appreciate your time here. Yeah, Victor, thank you, man. Thank you, and keep on doing all the great things that you're doing, brother. Thank you for listening to the Human Up podcast and my conversation with John B. Johnson from a small studio. Again, if you also are in the Seattle area and starting up a, a business as well um, and, and want a space to explore or to get a little more clarity in what you want to do, then come out to meet both him and me in uh, the One Million Cups community. It's totally free to attend and we meet every Wednesday at 9 a.m. at The Collective on Dexter. And if you want to learn a little bit more about me, you can find me at Victor Ung, that's VictorUng.com. If you'd like to support this content and this podcast, you can visit my Patreon at Patreon.com slash HumanUp. 
And if you don't do any of those things, you better at least follow and subscribe on whatever streaming platform that you're using to listen to this right now. Otherwise, if you're really inspired, uh, share this with your social network or with someone personally who would benefit from this conversation. Thank you again for listening, and I will catch you next time.